good morning, good afternoon, good evening, listeners of AV Insider throughout the world. By now, you should know my name. It's Johnny Moda. If you don't, at least maybe you know my voice. I hope so. And if not, this is your first time. Welcome to the show. As always, I am your host, but the show is not about me. It's about my special guest. And today, my special guest is the director of sales, or more appropriately named the intergalactic sales manager of Wolf Cinema, Jim McGull. Jim, thank you for taking the time this morning to speak with us. Tony, how you doing? Good to see you. I'm doing well, and I I generally would like to learn about Wolf Cinema. It's a company that I'm unfamiliar with, so this will be a good Q&A for me and the listeners, assuming that they don't already know. I'm probably just behind the times here, and that's my problem. But um, before we learn about Wolf, let's learn a little bit about you. The show is typically about the, the guests, so let's talk a little bit about you. Maybe this is your first job in the av tech industry or maybe this is your first job ever i don't know but let's let's talk a little bit about that how tell us a little bit about how you got to wolf cinema today and what your background is um <clears throat> by way of the failed uh, musicianship class where you think <laughs> you're a rock star and you never get enough or a teacher at a college which i learned i have no patience i joined the audio video industry in 1976 Walked into a fifth hi-fi store of a small chain called Harvey's Warehouse back in Virginia. Uh, they were desperate for people. I joined in, started selling hi-fi. Um, quickly from there to store manager, to district manager, to corporate trainer, um, the Peter principle applies. <laughs> you're, you go as fast as you can when you're young. And uh, cut my teeth by selling stuff on the sales floor, learning the gear, learning the lingo, learning the technologies. Yeah. Um, audio transitioned for me pretty easily into video. It's the same kind of thing, different frequencies and a different human uh, element, if you will. I got into video in the 80s and have been there ever since, uh, in and out of the industry, but pretty much doing video. <clears throat> it's funny because I have poor eyesight and I usually have to calibrate stuff going to the screen pretty closely. <laughs> Once I do, though, it looks pretty good. Um, I was one of those people that was experimenting as, as a kid, so I, at the time, in the mid-late 70s, I had a, uh, it was an Advent Nova Beam, uh, six-foot screen. I had a JVC VidStar, one of the first video recorders. We had a pair of AR9s in the front, and we had a pair of tangy electrostatic speakers, an out-of-phase Hafler hookup in the rear. All of you listeners might recognize that as a kind of home theater system in the late 70s. We didn't know what we were doing. We would record all the Saturday Night Live musical segments, and then we'd sit there and have a party and dance. Turned <laughs> out that, that was a pretty appropriate beginning to this thing called home theater, which I've been in now for some time. A uh, number of years spent in the video divisions with Panasonic Matusta Corporation, um, back in the day when VHS was battle royale with uh, eight millimeter televisions. Um, moved into a company in 1991, which some of you will be familiar with. It was the first computer that entered the home system it was called Frox, which was Frog Design Electronics, founded by Andy Hertzfeld and a number of other former Apple people. Uh, the first platform to actually make its way into the living room, a digital standpoint. Failed miserably, of course. It was one of the very first, earliest designs. But it showed the future. We had an on-screen hand that clicked virtual buttons that you downloaded software and firmware to do things like virtual surround sound algorithms. THX became a uh, software load. Um, digital video where you interlaid and overlaid all kinds of applications. So it was a very, very early look at the future of television. I was very blessed to be a part of that watch phase. From there, um, screen research, launched it in the States. Sam Runco's vice president for six or seven years running Vetacron. Three extra letters, the other white meat from the company Runco. And uh, here we are at the former Sumiko company, Wolf Cinema, now on our own. We're in our 10th year now at Wolf Cinema. Well, congratulations. <laughs> no, that's great. And then, so have you been with Wolf the entire time? Since nine years. I joined after the first year. Okay, okay. Well, that's, that's a, a great run still. I mean, so here you are at Wolf Cinema, right? And been there at nine years now. Now, tell me a little bit about Wolf Cinema's... Um, just a general overview. If you were going to sell Wolf Cinema as in sort of elevator pitch, who exactly is Wolf Cinema? We, we come from the Runco family. So we, we learned and cut our teeth on how to 
how to do things kind of Sam's way. Sam had a few core, you know Sam, he had, he's crazy. Yes. Core. <laughs> One was never sell it on the internet. So there's no ever any pricing problems from a, from a distributor or dealer standpoint, a client standpoint. We all are in business to make a profit. If you cannot fairly make a profit, if you're always undercut by someone that's selling something through Amazon, dare I say, you're gonna have troubles. So that was one of his basic core philosophies, if you will, we follow that today. The second thing was to build, uh, make people happy, satisfy your customers. Sam was never an original factory, we are not either. We OEM from six or seven production facilities in the world that build projectors. Um, of those major facilities, we buy from four or five of them. Okay. Classify what we want. We look for the, the kind of parameters that we look for. We bring in an engine core. Then we make it our own. I like to, A lot of people think of us as an M-series team to BMW. They think of us as AMG to Benz. Okay. Platform, an easy to understand platform, if you will. We like the platforms. We're a JVC Kenwood OEM, one of the largest in the world. We're a, we work with <clears throat> the company Cortronics. We use Delta's products. There's lots of different facilities. Um, we take those products and we make them better. And I say better. To their credit, the companies that build these things build them well. They've gotten better and better over the years. One of Sam Runco's greatest challenges was to make products that worked, worked, <clears throat> worked reliably, worked well over time. Right. One of the second major tenet of our company is to keep those products thermally stable. So we spend a lot of time in our design efforts looking at airflow management, looking at fan speeds, looking at how to route air faster. To cool, or, or we use some of the old techniques of thermal coupling. We actually cu couple lamps ballast to aluminum um, dissipation sections. So we can dissipate heat a lot faster and better than say the primary manufacturer's original design. Costs a little more money, that's why they don't do it. We do it. So our product ends up running faster, harder. We can drive it harder. We get more peak white out of it. We, get, we use our own algorithms for gamma slopes and so forth. We do our own gamut settings on each product. So we, at the end of the day, our product looks very different, fundamentally different, better than the original mass-produced item which churned off of a line. You went and picked it up. You set it up, it looked good. But you might need a professional calibrator to come in and make it look as good as ours is out of the box. And that's hmm. kind of who we are. We're a small company. We're very passionate. We love home theater. I have another division now that they drag me Screaming into, but we'll talk about that in a minute. And that's kind of what we do. That's that's our that's our forte. We started off with very large, heat-producing xenon lamp, three-chip digital, uh, DLP projectors. We did a complete design of an isolation box. We built it in its own soffit. We added uh, external fans, internal fans, inter uh, iris packages for black level. So that particular product, our first product is still in use today, 10 years later. I still get happy customer co comments from those people. They have never failed. We have no failures yet with any thermal-related issues. That's unusual in this business. Projectors are known to fail. So we're pretty happy about that. <clears throat> That's who we are. We're in Berkeley, California. We're, hey. not, we're not rioting at the nighttime. We are building projectors during the day. <laughs> um your dealer base, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm purely guessing here, right? So yeah. you're, are you a direct to dealer model or do you have a combination of that with uh, distribution? How does that That's work? The thing that was, I had to drag me quick kicking and streaming. We do direct dealer on two of our product assortments. Okay. We are internationally now in 32 countries. <clears throat> we have an international sales team, international distribution um, throughout Europe, throughout Asia. Um, we, I had a bunch of dealers that kept buying some, wanting to take some of my bundled products. When I do a home theater platform, it, it may require, for example, projector A doesn't look quite as good as it needs to from a color management standpoint. So we are an OEM of Jim Peterson up at Lumigen. We have platforms done for us, Wolf Cinema from Jim. We, do so, we want certain things differently. So we grab our units and we say, aha, let me do some color management through the, through the scaler uh, if there's multiple lens choices, you get to pick. So on the home theater side, it's kind of an all-encompassing product bundle. I had dealers come to me and say, I want to buy the projector, but I, I want to sell it in a commercial environment. 
business, church. Uh, but I don't want all that other stuff. Can I get it from you? Turned out we started doing that. So we have a third division now called Pro, which is con- co- like commercial, like resi, combo crossover. Okay. Uh, boardrooms, we do churches. And um, that can be sold and is sold through independent third-party distributors across the country. The, not the nationals, but the ones that understand our business philosophy, understand our, our relationship model with our dealers so that we do have a line that is a little more open, if you will, in distribution. So that, that was the portion that you were a bit hesitant on, basically, the distribution? I, 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 re- I rejected and resisted <laughs> being in distribution for about six, seven years. Okay. And as it turns out, what happens is, is there's an incremental sale here that uh, somebody's projector fails in the home or they have a quick need in a business environment. Well, if I'm not any particular distributor, the dealer walks in, he's going to pick up an Epson, a JVC, a BenQ, or whatever. By virtue of me being now in certain distributor levels, they can give a better product. The distributor hands them a, a wolf, and we get that opportunistic sale that day. Yeah. And that's, that's really the advantage of the distribution model that's tightly controlled, still follows your, your philosophies, still has a dealer agreement, works closely with me on the, on the relationships. We have 250 dealers nationwide. Okay. And that's, uh, excuse me, North America, Canada, Mexico. So it's definitely a bit more controlled distribution than some of the stuff that I've seen out there from uh, competitors or uh, just other AV companies that I, I see as distribution just all over the internet. We do it just to give the dealer a fighting chance. You know, this, this is tough. Yeah. This, this is tough. No, yeah. no one, it's not called play. It's called work. And so we, we know that there are other products out there that are just as well. They're fine. We respect them. But go online. Look around. It's, that's a nightmare for some of our friends out there. And so they, my, my philosophy, Sam's philosophy, dealers deserve, the, the quality dealer deserves a fair margin, fair profit on the product. And that's what we provide for them. We give it to them. We protect it. We search for it. If we see something, we, we address it. Now, the, the company Wolf itself is purely a projection manufacturer. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. We started off under the auspices of Sumiko. Sumiko is a oh, 30-year distri- distribution company. Uh, their own products, Sumiko cartridges. Um, they were the uh, Sonos Faber distributor in the United States, Rel subwoofers, um, project turntables, a whole bunch of audio gear. Okay. Six years prior to Wolf becoming a company, they distributed um, another brand, I won't mention it, of projectors. Okay. The defective rates were about 150%. I saw the numbers. They wrote a lot of checks to buy back defective projectors and swore, the two owners, they swore they'd never get in the video business again. Sam <laughs> sold his company, we were part of it, to Planar. Planar picked up the company, promised not to change anything. Day two, they started changing things. So. A number of the um, the video cockroaches that we are, the light came on and we scattered. <laughs> some of us went to screen companies. Some of us went to, a couple of the engineers went to the owners of Sumiko and said, when you, you want to get in the video business? <laughs> they said, no, thanks. Now, do you want to get in the video business where we know how to build projectors that work, with ideas that are new, and look great? All right, well, show me. So about a year was in R&D, and the company Wolf Cinema was founded under the umbrella of Sumiko, ran that way for four or five years. Sumiko was subsequently sold to Fine Sounds Group uh, in uh, Italy. And we've been a separately held, uh, private held company since then, we broke off. Our parent owner, the two the parent principals, and myself as a junior partner, now the, 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 the company is still owned by the original management, I guess is the right way to say it, through all the changes. Hmm. Our company has three companies involved in it. We have a um, Wolf Cinema video. Rel Subwoofers is our sister company, um, which, of course, is well-known around the world. And there's an investment group called Blue Fog Capital. Those are the three companies under this one umbrella uh, in Berkeley, California. <clears throat> and has the, have you always been in Berkeley? Yeah, we were in, uh, Fist, we've always been on Fifth Street. So. Well, I'm definitely going to have to make a point to come out there and visit you guys. <laughs> Tiny building, I'm ready to move. I got to get out of there. We've got to find a larger space. Hey, for real estate folks in California, help me out. Find something. Let's go. But is real estate in California really the place where technology needs to be? I understand. I mean, I, I live here as well. I'm about an hour from you guys. And I I can't afford to live here. I love it here, but it, it's so expensive. And I see more and more technology companies. If, just take 
Toyota, for example, they moved out of California about a year ago to go to Texas. Not that that's where I want to go and no disrespect to Texas, but more and more startups, big companies, technology companies are moving out of state and going, uh, you know, across the state lines like Nevada because it's cheaper. Uh, land is cheaper. It can still produce there. And we're only talking another day's travel, um, things like that for make sense for expansion and such. Yeah, but the one problem I have is called uh, human resource, and we have some really talented engineers. Um, okay. Pre-engineering phases, during the production phases. I live in Florida. Um, I, uh, as a, the intergalactic uh, sales guru, I can pick up a phone, grab an airplane, and go anywhere and do my work. Right. The guys at the office and at the facility there, um, they have families. They're they're kind of wedded to California. I've I've I would love to move the company to Florida, someplace tax advantageous, Nevada where also rents are better and facilities management's better. But right now, we're going to stick it out there. I'm looking in the Fremont, Haywood area, where we, you know, for light industrial. So okay. I agree with you, though. It's a, it's a ch- California's become very, very difficult from a business climate. It's, it's gotten worse, not better. It's definitely not getting better, that's for sure. We, we just had this big fire here, and uh, it's definitely not making things less expensive. No, no, no. And I sympathize with everyone there, and I love California. It's, I was there for 30 years, but at some point, you... Uh, you just move to Florida and you pick up a raise. You know, it's just a move. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, what else? So, what, what type of what shows can I, as a dealer, see you at? Do uh, you go to Cedia? Do you go to Infocom? You go to ISC? Go to local trade shows like uh, tech summits, tech business summits, or uh, other other local um, shops or other We've local. Yes, since the very beginning, we've done Cedia either as our own booth or in partnership with. Uh, we do a theater, so we need a screen. Uh, we want sound, we need sound equipment, and we need speakers. So we typically get three or four of us together and put together the, the show at either CDA, uh, CES. The past CES, we had um, Chris Seymour, the Honorable Chris Seymour. <laughs> he did his badge. And he, went, he said, did you look at the titles on the badge, I think? And I said, no. He says, there wasn't president or uh, there wasn't mayor and there wasn't governor, but there was the Honorable. So his badge at CES was the Honorable. Chris Seymour from Seymour Screen Excellence. I like that. I thought that was nice. So we had screens. We had the Dyn Audio speakers. We had audio control processing in here. That's our partnership. So we do CDL that way, CES that way. We do all of the tech summits. So the regional shows put on by Frank White and Mark Tchaikovsky. We're a participant in all of those. Cool. We, we do the individual road shows, depending upon the territories and timing. I'm doing one with Stuart here in the next few weeks. So yeah, we're in the field, we're busy. I'm always amazed at how many dealers still say, can I see the projector? <laughs> I, answer, I answer the question, what do you want to see? What do you think you're going to see? Well, I don't know. I just want to see it. Oh, you okay. haven't seen road shows? Fine, yeah. Bottom, I mean, everything we build, we spend so much time making them look good. And unlike other companies that spend a lot of resources, just sales and marketing, we do a lot of effort in, in how do I say it, image enhancement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we do. So I got scared. I got blown away that CES. I'm a, um, I'm a fussy video guy. I'm always with the remote control in my hand. I'm always looking at the menu structure. I'm always doing black level, white level adjustments. I'm always looking at color balance. I mean, if I don't have a remote on a projector, I'm, I'm feeling pretty naked. <laughs> the guys shipped me in one of our newest DLP units. It sells for fifty nine ninety five. You know, Wolf Cinema was known for the hundred thousand dollar projectors. Now we're pretty soon they'll be free. Drive through the drive through. We'll hand you one. Sweet. Fifty nine ninety five. Um, it was written up by Tom Norton and Scott Wilkinson this, this past uh, CES cycles. I took. They, they wanted to see it. I was a static display. I took it out of the box. I grabbed a, uh, there's a, oh, there's a Dyn Audio center speaker box, empty, I'll set it on top of that. <laughs> uh, Dyn Audio brochures, very lovely, very thick on the left side, some Wolf Cinema business cards, nice stack of them on the right side. Hey, we use only the finest setup tools. And I fired it up. I got focus and I corrected the, the geometry. The picture was glorious. I couldn't touch it. I kept trying to go to the remote to go to the menu, and I kept looking at all of my favorite clips and test patterns. There was nothing I could do. And I was extremely frustrated but extremely pleased. If that out-of-box experience is what we deliver day in and day out, pretty close to it, I, I know that. 
Well, dealers and, and clients are happy. They got some. I was frustrated. They're happy. <laughs> Well, you do it every day, right? They don't, I don't think they do. I don't think some of your clients are doing it every day with your dealers. Maybe if they're really, really good and selling well, sure, why not? And I think back to the dealers or Scott Wilkinson or all the people interested in seeing the product, right? The, the question being is, can we see it? I think from what I can understand is they want to see, you know, this premium product. They want to see the design. A lot of technology in itself, uh, you know, obviously is, is how it works, but I think a bigger portion of it, of, um, of companies that have this sort of, um, this the premium feel behind it, a lot of it is in the design. And I really like that. I mean, if we were to take the, the company B&O, a lot of their marketing and a lot of their draw to the company, at least to me, that I see, it is in the design of the product. They become this sort of premium lifestyle brand. And I feel like Wolf Cinema, Wolf Cinema is in that range, right? We're talking, comparing and liking to a Runco projector, right? Being in the same line. Well, when you hear that name, you, you want to go see it. At least that's, that's me. You know, I can't speak to everybody, but I, I would like to see the product. I'd like to, to, to feel it, touch it, to see what I'm going to install, what I'm getting and knowing, you know, this thing, you know, feels like it's not cheap. It feels very premium. I want that, that experience. And at the end of the day, once your, you know, your theater is all set up, I don't think people are going to go back and want to rip this thing out. I'm like, let's look at the projector. I don't think anyone cares at that point. But it's probably the dealer. The most important person is like the dealer and maybe the end user. Like when they go to purchase something like this, that, yeah, they may want to see the design, the aesthetics of the products and solutions that they're getting. That's my thought. That's true, and I agree with that. I guess I was thinking more of the image. We spend so much time fighting to get the best image. Ah. You have a look. In other words, every company does have a look. If you look at uh, company D, three letters, their projectors have a look all, this, all throughout the line. Another company S has a look all throughout the line. And that comes from a philosophy of how do you want, for example, how do, you, how do you want to track the grayscale? How do you make it as accurate as possible? How do you do algorithms for that, for, for ramping? Those are the things that are unique to us. That's our knowledge. The design of the projectors is also unique to us. If you look at the newest models on our website, uh, they're in the TXF series and in the Pro series, they're, they're, we, we will not spare any aluminum on these units. Our 5995 unit has more aluminum and metal in it than just about anything. And the reason is for airflow management, for thermal dissipation. And it's gorgeous. So, and it weighs almost 40 pounds for an entry-level projector. It's, 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 a, it's a tank. Those are the things that we do really well. Are we good at marketing? Not really. Are we, uh, <laughs> are we the best at advertising? No, we don't do much. But we do what we do we do so well. When I'm asked that question, well, can I see it? I'm going, what do you want to see? Do you think it's going to be a bad picture? You've seen Wolf Cinema throughout. No, I think it's going to be a good picture. Okay. We agree then. I agree with you. It's going to be a great picture. What else? <laughs> oh, you know what I find out? I find that's a delaying tactic. What I find with dealers, they don't want to tell you no. So they'll generally say, well, let's see it or let's do something else. They, they're, they're, they don't, they're not necessarily... People have a built-in inertia. They don't want to change their business model. They change is an anathema to a custom integration company. They are used to a certain platform, series of platforms. The command codes are already written to integrate to the control systems. Change is not a pleasant thing. Yeah. So by diverting that and putting that off as long as you can, that's typically what this is all about. What do you need to see? We build fantastic imaging Scott Wilkinson wrote, he thought this was the best single chip 4K DLP projector he's ever seen at $59.95. So, and I, I agree. And I didn't even have to touch it. So, <laughs> uh, except for set it up. So this is the kind of products we do. Now, what else do you need to see? Well, we want to, you know, okay. Our warranty's three years, parts and labor. We do advanced replacement stuff. We're all over it. If something fails, we're all over it. Our reputation is built on our client's satisfaction. We have very wealthy clients, very famous clients. They're, um, by and large, they're very nice. Their house management team is usually not very as nice. 
but they're always focused on, well, XYZ, Mr. Rich Person or a famous movie star is going to be back next weekend. We better have that projector up and running. We agree. We agree. That client deserves and does every other client, um, famous or not, they deserve to have their product up and running. They bought it. They want it working. Right. We go through the extra mile. Uh, you don't have to send out your stuff to projector doctor. You send it to us or we take care of advanced replacements and we get your client back up and running really quickly. I think our turn right now on service is running about six days. So that's not bad. Coming in. I mean, if it comes in, it's a six day, seven day turn. Sure. Now, um, is there any reason that the company isn't doing, or or maybe just not focusing on, on the marketing is, do you feel is this because the wolf name itself is basically sells itself and a lot of the marketing dollars don't need to be spent there? When you're a small company, Tiger Teams, managing, which I do, everything in the company, we've been profitable now for about six, five, excuse me, four years, fully profitable. Okay. We contribute that profit back to our parent organization. Got they're, it. They're happy campers. That's good. Too often in our business, there is this rush to justify your own existence in a marketing department or build, you know, destroy a bunch of trees to build beautiful brochures. We don't do any of that. We give you a spec sheet. It's on the internet uh, website. You need to, most guys will print it off. They pr- put a product proposal to a client. They put in the one sheet from us and the sheet from the speaker company and the sheet. There you go. There's what you need. So we do very little, uh, what I'll call it POP uh, support from a, and, and that's a cost center. I, I don't want to spend the money, quite frankly. I do some, a little advertising here and there. We've worked with Gary Reaver at widescreen now. They're, they're moving in a new direction. That should be a really good interview for you at some point. They're really getting their, their uh, they're refocusing that magazine in a very interesting way. So, huh. I'll have to check it out. Call Simon. Uh, Simon's with, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, the Sony for years, I watched Sony, JVC, Toshiba, Sharp. Uh, I don't know how many billion yen a loss is, but it's a lot of dollars. And every year... <laughs> the divisions would lose money. Now that's changed some and congratulations. I don't want to lose money. I want to make money. So we do that in a way that if I have resources and can spend them, I will do so. My, my customer is the dealer. The dealer's customer is his client base. I don't need to spend a lot of resources educating the client about Wolf. They can find us if they need to. Sure. I do need to spend some resources in working with my dealers. That's why all the tech summits, all the CES, CD shows. Sure. Okay. That makes Bring sense. Bring it. And good. I've done, I've been, a, I've been in business forever. I've been, I have some of the most amazing brochures, sales kits, owner's manual development that I've worked on. And you know what? At the end of the day, none of it matters. What matters is, is the dealer happy? Is the client happy? That's what matters. Let me ask you what time, what type of projection are you doing? Right. Is it all, or is, have you, evolved away from all the lamp-based projection? Or have you moving forward into like laser or laser phosphor or things like that? A lot of new technologies happening there. We have, we have a number of, we still use lamps. Lamps are spectrally still the best. Okay. Enons are the finest lamp source. And so whenever we have a chance, sometimes we use them. Uh, Xenons are sunlight. I mean, sun, we talk about uh, 6,500 Kelvin being the reference color point for white. Uh, Xenons are sunlight. So uh, there's a little, you have to notch a little bit of yellow out, but it's the most spectrally identical, similar to sunlight that there is. Okay. Um, other lamp technologies, uh, sometimes you have to color correct for, but they're generally pretty good. LED showed the way uh, eight years ago as an interesting idea and a good at first implementation, first generation was red, green, blue emitters, diode. <clears throat> The problem was not very bright. Um, you, if you got 600 ANSI, man, you were, you were screaming. So small screen, no light in the room, good looking color, uh, color depth for HD Rec 709 sources. Really good. Uh, we move into this thing called 4K and there's been a kind of parallel. There's a lot of parallel things happening. There's the, there's the push to greater color space, greater, greater, uh, color depth. There's a push toward, Higher bit rates, higher bandwidth, higher throughput, so we can get that um, greater color depth to your eyeball. 
correspondingly, there's a push within the projector community to give you some better illumination technology. Laser in and of itself, the first generation I will call, we're probably the third generation now. Uh, I will call the first generation laser DLP, um, you be kind? Um, Not great. It's okay. <laughs> there you go, that's pretty kind. So, sure it's bright, but when you have blues that, because you're trying to recreate primaries from blue lasers, using at the very beginning, using uh, phosphors, so a color wheel, phos phosphor wheels, inclusive, inclusive of a color wheel, you end up with, you end up with blues that have, are purple, and you end up with greens that are yellow predominant, or red are you saying when when you start with blue, that's what you, the end result no, is? That okay. was the first, first generation. Now, and that's first generation. Right. We worked with first generation DLP. We also were the first company to launch a uh, three chip color corrected uh, laser projector in the industry. That was three years ago. So we have some knowledge about this laser stuff. And it's quite frankly, I've been kind of wet. We've been working it, but the process has been slow. We're getting there. So some of the new ways of solving it, um, the better phosphors. Phosphors are improving data. Adding uh, red lasers or red LEDs to the package so that you can correct the problem of the red deficiency. Right. Um, going to a full three-chip dedicated phosphors, dedicated um, laser packs to correct and produce some amazingly accurate colors. So we're at the stage now where the answer to your question, gosh, Johnny, I'm along. No, that's okay. Keep going. I get very windy. Um, um, the answer to the question is yes, laser is the right way to go, but incorrectly done, it's not. So be careful. Just because a company touts that they're all laser every day, 100%, it's not always the right solution for color correct. It is a great solution for longevity, uh, lack of service, no, uh, you don't have to calibrate after the first time. You're in really good shape there. So that's where we're heading. Yes, laser. <laughs> uh, no, I, I agree with you. So I'm not, I'm not completely up to date on, on all of projections, technologies, and, and who's more accurate and who's using what. No. I, can't, I can give a good example because I, I know a bit more about the lighting aspect of things because that's part of my background. Um, in terms of LED light sources right now. So that's the latest and greatest, if you will, if you're looking at home technology, right? And light bulbs, incandescence. Everybody wants their incandescence, that warm glow back. That's great. I live in California. It's very expensive for energy. So LEDs push very, very hard here based on code. Now, not every LED on the market is the same. Just like, well, cinema isn't the same as every other projector company on the market. Not true in any way. They are not the same. Everyone makes something slightly different. Some people start with the same way. And most LED manufacturers start with a blue-based uh, chip. And the problem with that is that it doesn't accurately produce every color on the visible spectrum. And a lot of the colors are muted and grayed and dull. And so there is a company by the name of Sora, that uh, the, the owner, who did his company differently. He, he solved this problem. He... Um, he decided to change the industry by making his product not blue-based LEDs, not starting there. I believe he started with a, a violet-based LED. Um, I, and I could be wrong here. That I, I can't quite remember. But What's that? The name of the company? Uh, Sora, S-O-R-A-A. And I believe the um, by, by doing that, they can accurately produce color very vividly. And th my first test beyond color was trying to produce white. And when you think of white, well, white is white is white is white. That's not correct. There are so many different shades of white and off whites and things like that. So I got a, uh, a couple color swatches as an example, and I saw a, the blue-based competition illuminating white. And I'm like, okay, so which one, which one of these three colors is white is a good example, right? And I'm like, okay, so I'm like, well, that one's white. No, wait, that's the white one. That's the whitest one. And it kind of went back and forth, back and forth. And then when you turn the, the lights on, you can't really tell. And then we go over to the one that's uh, based on the, the violet-based LED that accurately represents colors and their natural tone as if you were looking under the sun in 6,500 Kelvin you could clearly see bright as day, the very true white color palette as the other ones were more grayed or washed out where they weren't a, a full white. And my 
brain basically exploded. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Is, you know, this light isn't being accurately represented in color. And then that changed my whole thought process on, on colors and clothes and cinema. And I'm like, I wonder how many people are doing the same thing because it's not just in, it's not just in lighting in homes. This is happening throughout technology across the world. And it, you know, they, so they were the first one to, I mean, in terms of, um, led lighting for, uh, for the home and commercial spaces for these new LED bulbs. And he won a Nobel Peace Prize in, because of his, uh, his methods. And I really wish I could remember his name right now. I am uh, returning my fourth set of LED-based illumination lamps and light bulbs. Okay. I can't find the right color that I'm looking for. You just mentioned. I mean, <clears throat> um, the secrets in projection is to try to get white correct. Right, exactly. The filmmaker a, made a film using standards, safety standards. White was supposed to be 5,500 Kelvin for digital cinema, 5,500 for the home transfer. If those are the standards, let's keep it there. Let's keep those standards going out. I'm, I hate, as you can imagine, this blue shifted, horribly lit, uh, make sure you look gray uh, yeah. LED, uh, lamps that are being sold to people. And have, have, some of them don't dim, they don't tell you. Uh, I mean, go through that process. Yeah, that's that's always a nightmare. And so I'm I'm sitting here. You're telling me this. I'm writing it down. I'm looking at the website. Yay! <laughs> I'm excited. I, they, I, I will warn you that if you're if you've been shopping LED lamps in the past and you go to Sora, they are definitely a premium mar um, company, right? So there's definitely a cost associated to it. However, that being said, I gladly pay the price. And I I, I, I put so many of these uh, MR16s, AR111s in California into museums. And if you start to walk around and really look at some of the well-lit museums of the world, Sora is in 90% of them. Because, of the, because they accurately light the artists' uh, paintings, sculptures, the way that they were intended. Just like when you go to a movie like you talk about um, and you watch this re uh, reproduction of something that was created, the 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 audio engineers the people who created something they they have like standards they they recorded it in the highest audio format and this is one of the things that really bugs me about music it's not about cinema necessarily is that an artist worked really hard in a studio to produce something that took them so long and produce something blood sweat and tears in the highest quality form of audio possible with microphones and rooms and and recording software and at the end of the day most of the people today have will go and buy this song for 99 cents that is a, a very compressed down version of it and to them it's convenience but what they don't know and they may by now but they typically don't know it's like what you're hearing is a very very compressed version of the artist's true intentions and that's okay if that's if that's what you want to hear that's there's nothing wrong with that but if you want to experience what the artist was intending, you should really look into high-res audio. Let's take it to the video side because exactly the same problem. I mean, if you, if you, any analogy you want to make about sound, compression, original intent, uh, the artist's flavors, you can make the same analogies in video. It's, we're dealing with just a different set of frequencies and a different set of uh, transducers, if you will, uh, and a different set of experiences in our eyes. You know, in a, in a home theater projected world, the uh, in an audio system, the, the speaker is the transducer. Well, do speakers all sound the same? No. No. Some speakers sound differently in different rooms. Yes. Yeah. Um, does what's the transducer in a video system? It's the screen. That's the that's the analog that's the analog equivalent of a, of a loudspeaker system. So, does the screen have something to do with the video quality? You betcha. I ran screen research for a number of years. I understood, <clears throat> understand in depth how screens work what game characteristics are, what they aren't, how angles of view change, how color shifts. Uh, one of the things I do for my dealers, which I'm really proud of, we not only, when you call me up, a dealer says, I want to do, you know, 10-foot screen, 12-foot screen in this room. I have some fairly sophisticated calculation tools that I can quickly give you. Well, with that projector, we're going to see plasma-like brightness, uh, or we're going to see LED-like brightness. Because that's kind of our reference now. We go to the stores and we see those big bright LED, you know, panels sitting there. If I can give you something that bright in your home, well, generally speaking, most clients are going to be happy. But if I get to the point where, oh, it's 20 foot Lamberts, which is my baseline. Uh, most cinemas, by the way, are between eight and 12 foot Lamberts, eight white. They're not very bright. Um, if I can exceed 
the cinema standard reference points it should be 16 they don't achieve that if i can do 20 at the home my wolf cinema dealers put in a system that's better tracks better looks more like what the director intended yeah color balance and then i talk about well how's the screen color going to affect what's the room looking like how is splash being taken care of splash being the reflective light off the ceiling off the walls what is that doing in the room I had a guy one time tell me, he said he wasn't real happy. He said, can you come look at my system? It was in the Pacific Northwest. I walked in. It was a beautiful man cave. The entire room was filled with wood, wood modules, with little code. And when he turned on the projector, the entire room rang. He said, can you calibrate it? And I said, yeah, which image would you like calibrated? The one on the ceiling, the one over there, the one in the front? <laughs> so here we, we're facing, it's a systems problem. Okay, right. It's a systems problem. Same in audio, it's a systems problem. Right. And then help correct and get that theater looking more like the original artist's intent. Exactly. That's one of the very passionate things we work on all the time. Let's get this to look better and look more true to life than what, as what the original filmmaker wanted us to see. You know, I love hearing that from the manufacturers because not everyone on the show tells me that. It's, it's not necessarily rare, but it's close. I, I get a lot of people who really share their passion to really produce what the artist intended, right? They, they, the goal should be that for everybody. I want to produce a product that accurately represents what was intended from the artist. Because at the end of the day, like when I go to a movie, that's what I want to experience. I want to forget about work. I want to forget about everything outside of this room. And I just want to, I want to experience the cinema. I want to forget that I'm even in the theater. I want to, feel like I'm a part of this, this um, display of media. And, and a lot of times it doesn't happen, whether that's the audio playback that's terrible, the video that's calibrated incorrectly, a, a number of factors, right? It could be the lighting, could be the sound, could be the acoustics, everything. And in some cases, I, I may get that, but it, more and more it seems to be rare. It's rare. And um, my, the dealers that are very successful understand that and unfortunately we're trapped in our own coffins we <laughs> we in our industry we bring out stuff that's half-baked way ahead of time shouldn't even be done i carry around a, a couple of dvds they're 480 what's a dvd no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding and if you if they were mastered correctly, if they if the algorithms involved and the and the data rates are correct, DVDs look fantastic. I carry around a lot of HD Blu-ray discs. Well, check out Tomorrowland. Look at the mastering of Tomorrowland. It's unbelievable. Look at some of the now the UHD discs that are out there, the 4K discs. They're horrible. And part of the problem is that we rushed to this new thing, this new frontier called 4K. No one's put really much. There's not been a whole lot of collaborative thought from Recordings, artists, to the, the filmmaker, to the mastering labs, to the consumer product, to the consumer itself. What is it you really want? Nope, it's got a bigger number, it's better. So we're going to sell 4K. You want that? Hey, guess what I'm going to give you this year? <laughs> Have a nice day. Does it matter? It doesn't matter. You can't tell. The source is a little better. The reason it looks better is the source has greater depth to it and has better color to it. Sure. Um, we're getting into this thing with HDR drives me crazy. Everybody wants to have HDR. Well, which HDR would you like? There are about six different implementations of it. They're all different. We put lookup tables pretty much for, to match the Samsung player and the Oppo players and all the different players, the way they manage and handle HDR. Um, HDR 10 Plus may become a standard. Okay, fine. And Dolby Vision is sitting out there lurking in the wings, trying to get people to buy into it so that Dolby can get their change in revenue. Great. Fine. I'm all for it. If it solves the problem, of us dashing headlong two years now into things called HDR, which is, it's so half-baked, most of my clients and dealers turn it off. Yeah. Touching on that, standards in our industry drive me nuts because everyone's trying to make their own. Yeah. So if everyone's trying to make their own, how are they a standard? We do need an industry that, that gets together and, and create standards, that's no question. But then the industry makes its own faux pas. Um, I have become a cable testing company. I'm not just a projector company anymore. I test cables all the time. Why? Mm -hmm. Oh, HDMI 202.2 was supposed to be perfect, right? Sure. 
And it's supposed to work with 4K stuff, right? Sure. Well, <laughs> um, there's a 10.2 gig throughput called 4K, but all of our stuff, and most of the sources now, we're looking at 18 gig, 14 to 16 gig, and 18 gig throughput is required. I won't, I don't, I tell every one of my dealers, you're gonna, you wanna do 4K, that's fine. Go to Jeff Picaccio's website, dplabs.com. Look at the brands, look at the cables by name and length, and you pick the ones that are 18 gigabytes. Don't call me if you don't, because otherwise you're gonna have a handshake problem, you're gonna have snow problems. There are some tools that can help you fix it. So we started testing cables of all sizes, brands, and makes. I thought about getting in the cable business. <laughs> Wolf Cinema uh, Cables, get them tested here. Now, there's been some brand new developments late recently in, um, um, you know, uh, HD based T, you know, Cat5, Cat6 runs, so that uh, 4K signals can be, problem. here's the standard problem. Industry says, let's make a cable called HDR, HDMI, sure, great. Uh, it's a six, uh, six foot cable, that's the standard. <laughs> All right. As you know, we need to get that run 75 feet away from the home run to the projector room, to the living room. Right. So all this stuff comes out and we're the ones, unfortunately, that have to solve the problem. Even worse, we beta test the solutions to clients. Yeah, that's, that's terrible. I do feel sorry for our clients who came to us and said, I want to buy a projector. I go, really? You want to buy a 4K projector? Really? Now? Are you sure? Are you, are, do, you have, do you have the patience, the wherewithal, the means to go through about a year of cycle? It was a couple years ago. Do you have the patience and the wherewithal to go through the cycle called, we're going to test things for you. Are you okay with that? And this yeah. client says, yep or no. Yeah. It's stable now. It's, it's stabilized quite a bit since, I'd say, about a year. The last... The last eight months, I'm sleeping better at night. I'm not worrying about long runs. Um, we have solutions. The new fiber copper hybrid cables are excellent. There's a bunch of those out there. There's some basic fiber, but fiber copper seems to be a really good solution. A lot of the uh, data data stuff and the uh, handshaking stuff handles on copper, audio video through fiber. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Murray and his guys over at AV Pro, um, they're doing some nice stuff in long transmission through HD based tape. These have been our nightmares. These have been the things that have bothered us as a manufacturer because we want the client to be able to watch something called 4K. Oh, and by the way, which 4K looks good to you? Is it the Netflix 4K stream? <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> how, about the, how about the broadcast 4K? Oh, there's none of that. Well, how about the satellite? No, there's none of that. How about the uh, 4K UHD discs? Have you seen them lately? They look pretty mediocre. Mm -hmm. There's one company that's doing it right, and it's Classgate. And to their credit, the Strato 4K server, and the stuff that they work on, the mastering work they do, some of the renderings that they do, are astonishing. They have a fifth element. I've seen fifth element, you know, every, we're, in the audio business, I think there's Dark Side of the Moon, I probably bought 12 different versions of it. I get I get mad at our industry. Oh, you can't have you gotta have copy protection. Why? I spent, I bought twelve copies of the daggone thing over my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, why Why can't I just get the fifth element? You know, and then get it and pay for whatever you upgrade you make. You know, ten years from now. Well, anyway. So the very first uh, there was a VHS tape. There was then there was a disc. There was laser disc. There was a SX, a SXRD or a hybrid a SVHS. There was a tape. Then it came out on DVD. Yay! Looks pretty good. First Blu-ray, uh, Fifth Element. Horrible. The, uh, the HD version of that. It was the worst-looking piece of film you've ever transferred, you've ever seen. They corrected it a few years later. You had to buy another one. I went out and bought the Fifth Element UHD 4K. Uh, not so good. The Strato <laughs> transfer. The Strato transfer is amazing. I have not seen that version yet, but I'm very familiar with uh, with uh, Kaleidoscape. It's gorgeous. I like what they're doing, uh, especially with their their direct to you know the 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 music house Sony's and, and the people they're working with directly and and straight to the the server, which I I think was a, a great move on their part. Um, and if they can get day and date, I mean, if they're they're the right company, they can get this done. All wealthy clients, clients don't. I don't want to go to the theater. I don't like the experience. I mean, come on, you know, driving there, uh, kids screaming. Uh, oh. Tell me about. Popcorn's <laughs> pretty good, um, but by and large, it's not. It's the collective experience which we do like. I love sitting in a theater and having that the, the audience, you know, reaction to something at the same time. Yeah. 
But the video is horrible, typically, like you said. The audio is mediocre. We do much better work at home, home cinemas today than 90% of the cineplexes. Correct. And that, I think that's been one of my biggest gripe. I want to have friends, I, I, when we go to um, any given movie, I'm very picky, and they know this. And, they, and so I'm like, we won't go to this one because the audio is terrible. The center channel is blown out, can't hear anything. I won't go to this one because the video is terrible and washed out. I won't go to this one because of this. And that doesn't really leave much unless we have to drive towards the city for some of the other ones or out towards the valley. Uh, luckily for me, the, the theater right across the street from me just upgraded to a lot of really good stuff. They upgraded the seating. They upgraded the, the audio to the latest formats. They upgraded the screen. They upgraded the projector. So it's a bit more tolerable for me. It's still not, still not perfect. A little more pleasant experience, and then you'll go. Yeah, but it, but that's not like that everywhere you go, and I think that's it's not fair for the consumer because they deserve, like we talked about, like what the the artists intended. And you know, it's it's hard to reproduce that. Luckily for us, Wolf Cinema has been on track since day one. And as your dealer base, I think that that's important to note. I think that they should know that. And if they didn't know that, or if you're a potential dealer and you don't know that now, you do. And if you want to learn more, you could head over to WolfCinema.com. And uh, learn more. Actually, is that the yeah? It's wolfcinema.com. I almost feel like I said the website wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll fall back real quick on your LED comment because I'm real excited to see. Okay, so we have lasers now. We right. Ship, we ship a fifty thousand dollar retail, uh, three chip DILA native 4K, the, the the flagship from JVC Kenwood production facility. But ours is a little bit more. It does a little bit brighter. It's color more color act things that we do. 50 grand, um, and the most the most remarkable thing about it is that there are 48 blue lasers in it, and all these different phosphors. There's I don't know of any other uh, consumer platform in this class that will reproduce 85% of what the human eye can perceive in color. It goes out to BT 2020, which everybody knows. You don't know it's the it's a representation of the deepest greens, the deepest reds, deepest blues that the human eye generally can perceive. This, this projector is at 85, it's way beyond 709, it's way beyond DCI-P3, it's already reproducing, bring to the source, color accurately. And you, I see things on this like magentas that I've never seen before, I mean in a reproduced display. Yeah. And that's 50 grand, I'm going, man, that's, a, that's incredible. Now that's gonna happen at lower and lower price points as, as the technologies mature, as lasers mature, as you ask the question. Right. Here we're going to be uh, we're going to be the first of three partners. We're re-releasing LED projectors. Okay. And Philips has this technology called Spark Philips Spark LED package. And think of um the problem with LEDs was they were great but they weren't very bright. Um, DPI did a solution. They put two packs uh, two lit two packs of LED modules in it. And they sold it for hundred grand. And it was about two thousand ANSI. This year we're going to be able to have a single set of LED emitters. We'll be at 2,000 to 3,000 ANSI. We haven't finally, we haven't settled on the peak white yet. It's going to be very competitive to uh, the general class of product that you're interested in buying. It's going to be color depth and color accurate, like what LEDs can produce. I'm real excited about it because I know the potential of it. If you think of them, um, they manage to think of an uh, audio megaphone. You know, it's, it, you stand there and you shout through the megaphone. It's the same frequency, hopefully, you know, it, but it amplifies the wavelength. That's what they've done with the emitters. They've actually put, let's, let's call it, uh, that lack of better terms, video uh, megaphones on the emitters to increase not the, free, the amplitude, not the frequency. Hmm. So at the end of the day, we're going to have these very competitively priced pro solutions competitive to lamps, competitive to lasers, but again, back to the three primary emitter color technologies. That excites me a lot. We're getting there with lasers. Lasers require blue, you know, lasers, maybe blue red. We have 6P lasers now going in cinemas at, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, RGB, CYM laser modules. Yay. Those look really good. Go to a cinema that has that. Go to the, you know, in Hollywood, I think it's the Chinese man. They have a 6P laser system from Christine. You want to see color? Wow. You want to have that same kind of color depth in a projector at about 10 to 15 grand? LEDs coming. Okay. Lasers can do it, but it's got to be done it's a little more expensive to do it with lasers correctly right now. Um, LED emitters with high out output emitters are going to change a little bit of the game. We're going to go back to uh, something we started back, you know, six, seven, eight years ago. 
that's kind of fun. That's cool. And that's uh, coming later this year or just something that's coming down the line uh, with Wolf? By, by fourth quarter. Sweet. That's, that's something very exciting to look forward to. And I think that should be a good place to end the show because around fourth quarter, I'd like to have you back and we can talk about going back to LED. Sort of taking a step backward, but more accurately representing what LEDs could have done and can do now. Well, it's just this idea that you went into the discussion about lamps, and if you've ever changed lamps and you know what's happening out there, I mean, we want the human, the human palate, the human system wants to be comfortable wherever we are, whether it's in a lighting in a room, whether we're watching a movie. And by the way, uh, if you ever watched a 10,000 nit HDR flat panel, you'll cry your brain out in about three minutes. So, no, I, no. <laughs> I have not. So, luckily, I still have my brain. You want a balance of peak white and black. So the point is, is that light, light is what we are responding to. Light's the critical thing for home theater. You're picking up on it with lights with the home. We're very much a passionate, we're watching color temp a lot, and we do all the color work on all our projectors. And hopefully at the end of the day, they see, if you look at our DILA grayscale, it looks like a DLP grayscale that we should, but it looks like even the LCD grayscale. So we make the grayscale, the, the, the color balance of white through the transition from black to white. We try to make it as accurate as possible because that's what people want to see. Not 4K. Who cares about 4K? I call it OK. Is it, is it 4K? Yeah, that's so, okay. It's okay. <laughs> you can as you want. I got lots of <laughs> Well, Jim, uh, as I mentioned, later on at the end of this year, I'd love to have you back to talk okay. about the, your projectors and the things moving forward and uh, the company and, and maybe you'll have some more more uh, interesting topics. I, this is actually one of my favorite shows. So thank you so much. I think the conversation was great. We learned a lot. We talked about some of the problems with the industry, not having standards, not really communicating with others to try and form a standard and why it needs to be a standard. Uh, how Wolf Cinema is a premium product. You source materials, but you make it your own and you try to accurately reproduce what the artist intended because accuracy is key at the end of the day that's what you want you want something displayed accurately we don't want to shift we don't want to wash out colors we want to just play back what was intended we don't want to change it we want it just to be accurate and i think that's very very important so other people listening out there if you're a manufacturer and you are trying to put your own spin on the content or you're trying to put your sort of I don't know how else to, to put this, like your watermark on top of the content, uh, so to speak. Why? Why not just try to be as accurate as possible? Because at the end of the day, that's what everybody wants. And then I don't, and go back to the other main problem we have is that the, the dealer community is in trouble. It has been for years. You look at the CEDIA situations. Dealers need more partners like us or passionate people who protect them, who give them the playground that they can go play in to do the work that they do Otherwise, um, we're going to be boiling this down to, you know, it's uh, call up Amazon, they fly the stuff in on a drone and have a nice day or go to, you know, a whole warehouse club and pick it up. I don't want to see that happen. So I want our dealers have to fight for their, their, their resources. We have to protect them carefully. And but this is all about success. If I can win, and, and there's a few little groups out there, I'm not going to mention names, but they're, they're enthusiast groups. They don't understand what. And so they look at us like, well, you're just a rebadger. No, sir. No. I take a product, make it look its best, but then I offer my dealer the opportunity to survive by giving them a competitive product at a fair price. We're not ridiculous. We start at three grand and we go up to 200 grand. If you can't find a product from Wolf in that spectrum, you're not paying attention. I give you a competitive product, but I allow you to make, succeed with that product. And to me, that's why we're in this business. It's for you, my dealer, to succeed me to succeed and at the end of the day the client's happy yeah so, it's whether, it's, whether it's built from this engine or that or whether it's 4k or 1080 who cares who cares it's success on all levels win 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 you everybody's happy and i think that's perfect you you're helping your dealers the dealers are helping their customers yeah. they are all helping each other and at the end of the day they're getting a a amazing product that will accurately reproduce what was intended and that's okay. important johnny thank you Thank you. Uh, everyone out there listening, this has been AV Insider. If you have any questions for Jim, um, I think maybe the, the best place to start, honestly, just if you're, if you're a dealer or who wants to ask questions, or if you're a potential dealer, you're a consumer, you are anyone interested in Wolf Cinema and you want to learn more, go directly to wolfcinema.com. Start there. 
and there's an inquiries page. You can just click on a link and send us a note, send us a question. We'll get to you. Yeah. And then uh, if you're more of a social person, you can check them out on facebook.com forward slash wolf cinema. And if you have any questions for me personally, you want to tell me you love, you hate the show, you got uh, constructive criticism, you want to talk technology, you want to be a guest on the show, more importantly, sure, reach out. My email is johnnyjohnny at ravepubs.com. And you want to be social with me, should Twitter exist still tomorrow, it's at jmuda3, same on Instagram, not on Snapchat. That guy's an imposter, he's probably my evil twin. Don't talk to him. I'm AV underscore insider there. Uh, everywhere else is pretty much just Johnny Motor at Jim Again, email Johnny at ravepubs.com. Jim, thank you so much for educating and, and being passionate for what you do. Our industry should thank you. And if they don't, I will first. So thank you very much. And I would love to have you back in the future. Thank you so much. All right, Johnny. Thank you very much. Thanks.